You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia well, McCormack. Hello, wherever you are. <laughs> Lovely bride chillas and groom chillas. That was a strange introduction, but what do you expect? It's Alicia here. I am the founder, host, person that created this uh this podcast, Bride Chiller. I am here to invite experts to come on and help you plan your wedding. And then I say lots of silly things in between and hopefully help you in some way. My lovely guest today, Emily Sullivan, is the owner of, get this, Emily Sullivan Events. That's a (laughs) (laughs) surprise. (laughs) Uh, Let me say, a boutique wedding and event firm based in my favorite place, New Orleans. Never been there, but I love saying it and I always fuck it up. Did I get it right? That's right. New Orleans is how the locals say it. Oh, I just love saying it and I want to go there and eat and drink and just dance and have a good time. It will happen one day. It's going to happen, Emily. Um, Emily, welcome to the show and I will get to what we're talking about momentarily. (laughs) Thank you, Alicia. It's always fun to be here and chat with you. I'm happy to have you here and uh, very happy to talk about, well, I'm going to say, the, the topic today is one that really intrigues me, and I know we said off air. This is one that I think a lot of people perhaps put their go, oh, put their head, you know hands over their ears because they're like, nothing's going to go wrong on my wedding day. But mm-hmm. it's good to plan for unforeseen circumstances, things that may be out of your control, things that might happen that you don't expect to happen, but may happen, but probably won't happen. But let's be prepared right. anyway. Emily, you have, I'm sure, seen a lot of shit in your time. Uh, oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> I have a little ongoing notes section in my oh. phone, the, like the book I'm going to write later you when should. I'm not a planner anymore. <laughs> I have seen it all, definitely. And I think honestly, just I'm 13 years in, I've mm. done over 500 weddings and I'm, I'm wow. a seasoned detailed planner but things go wrong every week. There's nothing you can do to control that because the things that go wrong are outside of my control. And so, you know, just going in almost with the attitude of knowing that something's going to go wrong, I think it's a better place to be. Oh, totally. And I, I'm, an, I'm an optimist, but I'm also a very uh, organized optimist is what I like to say. I'm a TV producer by day. And I think part of my job is being creative, but also it's like, what the fuck can go wrong today? How do I fix this without it all falling apart? Because it's all on my shoulders. And I feel like we're very akin in that way with what we do. And and I think it's yeah. good to be prepared and it's good to think the worst because then when it doesn't happen, you're like, woo. Well, and I think you just, you, you know how to react. Like Mm. if you're not, not that you should expect really bad things to happen, but you should just have the approach of something's going to happen outside of my control and how can I deal with it? Because that's really what makes great events. It's just rolling with it. So let's talk about from the beginning when people first get engaged. Now, as as we're saying, this is, oh, look, that's an emergency. I don't know if you can hear the alarms outside. I had the booth door open, Emily, just to get a bit of air. And in London, there's always like, (laughs) always an emergency. Couldn't be much better with the sound effects. Hope everyone's all right out there. Um, When you're first planning a wedding, let's go right back to the beginning because this is not just the day of stuff. This is things in the lead up as well. I think that's something that we probably should start with. What are some of the early planning stages of things that you have witnessed over the years and things that we can help in advance uh, and be prepared for um, earlier on? 
You know, I think one of the biggest things that you can do to sort of protect yourself in, in situations on the wedding day or leading up to it is, first of all, trust your gut when you're hiring mm. your vendors. Do your research, kind of listen to what your gut is saying and go in that direction. And also really looking for seasoned vendors. Not that new vendors, you know, don't deserve a chance to get that experience. And there's certainly situations for that, but working with seasoned vendors is going to make all the difference because they have relationships, they have connections, they can help you with so many things beyond just what their part in the wedding is. It builds a really strong team. Do you, how many people have you got in your Rolodex? That's a very old word. Do we still use the word Rolodex? Oh my goodness. (laughs) More than I could count hundreds, literally. And you know, there are so many situations that I've been in over the years, sort of last minute, like, wait, this happened. How mm. am I going to fix it? Where I am able to say, I bet so-and-so knows, let me call them. And that every time, you know, if they don't know, they know someone yeah. who knows. So I think relationships and wedding planning is very yeah, important. It's a very people-based industry, isn't it? Knowing, well, yeah, who to call to solve a problem or to make it go away. Totally. And I think that's part of why I like planning even is because it is so relationship based, you know, just over time, having done this for so long, really developed those relationships and working with people in kind of some some weird circumstances along the way leaves us all with some stories to tell and kind of makes us loyal to each other. I feel like there's sense. a lot of Winston Wolfe's Pulp Fiction callback there for everyone. I don't know what I'm talking about, but just problem solvers that don't actually acknowledge, you know, things are happening. And I think this is something always excites me talking to planners when stuff can go wrong or things can be a little hiccuped on the day. You just roll in in your Lamborghini uh-huh. and then make, this is, this is visual here, uh, you roll in, stuff gets fixed and the bride and groom, groom and groom, bride and bride never know about it. They don't, honestly. And I even make jokes about it after the fact. I'll be like, yes. do you want to know what happened on your wedding day? It's so funny. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you until it's over, but it is, it's always <laughs> kind of funny to be like, guess what happened? And we saw it. You have it. to pick so, couples with that because and, and I guess my, that some couples are like, fuck no, I don't want to hear any of this. And others are like, tell me everything. <laughs> Oh no, my clients definitely want to know. They love it. They're like, "Oh yes, please tell me how did it get fixed?" Like they want the the, the nitty gritty oh, through the whole okay. thing. Okay, so. I like that. Good people. Well, yes, we try to be selective. <laughs> we prefer bride chillers for sure. Yes, good. <laughs> Cook them up, make it happen. Well, let's talk about, so that's a good first point. So making sure that you're working with the right vendors, you've got good vibes going with them and that you trust them. I had um, a lovely photographer, Kevin Elizabeth, who's in San Diego. She was on recently doing a QA and a and she was talking quite a lot about trust, especially with photographers and mm-hmm. knowing that they're going, well, like in any vendor situation in a wedding date, this is your one chance, but you really want those photos to be you know, what you asked for or not blurry or them not having a sit down when you're supposed to be having a major moment in the wedding. Trust is a big factor in choosing who you're working with. And I think a lot of people underestimate the gut feeling, as you said, when it comes to deciding if you like them or not. Well, and the thing is, you're going to work so closely with your vendors. And even the wedding day, I usually tell brides specifically when they're choosing certain vendors like photographers or videographers, you're with them all Mm. day. So if you love their photos, but they get on your nerves, like that is not a good way because they're with you like 
styling you and watching you and taking your photo all day. So you want to really give some level of importance to that, that vibe you have going with that person. Like, is it a good I fit? went to a wedding, Emily, and I'm not ever going to say what wedding it was, but I was close enough to the photographer to hear some of the things he was saying to the bride on the day. And at one stage, like he took a lovely photo, but at one stage he said, don't stick your head out like that. You look like a turtle. And I was like, what oh, the no fuck? Way. And I, he said it and she, cause she was quite a slight, she's quite a lean lady. And, um, he said, I can see all the veins in your neck. And I'm like, oh my fucking God, what are you talking? This is your, this is a wedding day. Why are you yelling at the day. bride? I, I don't care how fucking great those photos are at the end of the day. This is an awful way to talk to someone. And he was sort of being fun and larrikin but I was like, ugh, I don't like you. And for the rest of the day, but no, it's, it's not, not funny. funny. And I threw shade at him for the rest of the day, Emily. He wouldn't have given a shit. He yeah, deserved it's it. Like, he deserved oh, it. Oh, oh. Even the now I think about it, I'm like, ugh, if he ever came to ask for sponsorship or anything, I wouldn't touch him with a flagpole. Yeah, because I even think about myself taking photos, and honestly, I'm a little bit self-conscious. Like, I don't really find myself to be super photogenic, and you want your wedding photos to be mm. so special. The pressure is yeah. already on. So, you know, to have someone say those sort of things to you is really uncomfortable and would have you uncomfortable posing for your photos all day. Totally. And she did a great job. I'll just say she just let it wash over her. And maybe she was, you know, just too excited and too into it to take offense to it. But I was like, on your behalf, I hate him. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about some of the, okay, so we, we talk about trust. We talk about finding people. Let's go through some of the more major worst case scenarios. And then we can just pretend nothing's going to happen, but also we'll be prepared. What mm -hmm. are some of the things that as a planner you you know, you put on the big list of like, oh, I hope this doesn't happen, but I'm ready. Well, I'm in New Orleans. So the oh. major thing I put on my list oh. is natural disasters. Sure. <laughs> I kind of live around the hurricane schedule. And actually I saw a tropical storm development today and I'm like, what? It's too close. Oh, oh no. It's, it's minor. It's not coming, but it's still like every time I have to start worrying about it weeks in advance. And that's, so that's one of the primary things, natural disasters, hurricanes specifically to me, how I deal, you know, the process leading up to that and how we deal with it. And so my business actually started the year after Katrina, one year mm. after Katrina. So I wow. wasn't actually a wedding planner during my business, I think kind of started because of Katrina, mm -hmm. honestly, in a roundabout way. So I, I wasn't actually affected by that, but I have been affected by other multiple storms since then. Um, and, and we just had one in August uh, or the end of July where it was like, wait, what's happening? The river's high. Are we canceling weddings? You know, and the whole city kind of goes into like, what's our plan mm. mode. So that's something when you're getting married in an area that's particularly known for natural disasters, or maybe, you know, uh, in a, in an, in an area that you think there's a possibility that some weather related type event might happen. I think you have to have those conversations, um, up front, but you have to know, and this is the hard part because a lot of times my clients come in and they want answers. Like what, what would we do if mm. this happened? Well, I don't know. Every situation yep. is different. So we kind of have to roll with it as we get closer. So part of the hard part for that, for, for clients is just waiting to see what's going to happen. You know, is it a tropical storm? Is it going to be a category two? Like those have different situations that we have to deal with. And, and then obviously we have to follow certain guidelines within the city. So we have to wait to see what those guidelines are. So there's a lot of like negotiating with vendors and things that happen 
when there's a storm in the Gulf leading up to the decisions we make. And so I think knowing like, yes, in the back of our mind, we can have this backup plan, this weather backup plan throughout planning. It's really going to boil down to the specifics of what's happening that week or that day. And I suppose it's the same for uh, forest and bushfires and extreme heat and also cold yes. as well. If you're getting married in mm-hmm. the midst of, you know, middle of winter, there have been a, a few years ago we had that polar vortex that vortex that came through and everyone's eyeballs froze you there are things and of course climate change which we all know is real mm-hmm. and fucked up that this stuff is happening more and more and i think it's very yeah. hard to as you said predict but also is it about then saying if you're getting married in new orleans in maybe avoiding july and august or if you're getting married in the middle of summer in australia then think about going inside in an air conditioned or in florida or somewhere that's really hot is it about that yeah, or what i mean do you do? Yes and no. So the primary reason I would say don't get married certain times of year, particularly here in July and August, is less because of hurricanes and more because it's 500 degrees. Sure. And it's just not enjoyable to be in a wedding dress at that time. Um, and the good thing about, you know, there being a season, if you're, if you're truly flexible, we had an amazing wedding in August of this year. And, and I just tell them, you know, if you're really flexible, we go into it with an open mm-hmm. mind. So the first thing that I'm going to advise that my clients do is purchase wedding insurance. And that's regardless of when your wedding is, because we just don't know what could happen along the way that maybe, you know, a situation you might need to use it in. So one of the first things we tell our clients when they hire us is go ahead and get this wedding insurance policy, you know, cancellation, get some things taken care of so that you don't have to worry about that if it comes down to it. Um, it, it's risky, but it's also unlikely at the same time, if that makes sense. So I almost sometimes think it's worth the risk if you're looking for like particular vendors to be more available. Like for instance, in August, we chose that date and we were able to get all these amazing vendors who weren't Mm. working because it was their off season. So they wanted to work and we wanted to have them. And so, you know, it was a really good fit that way. So there are perks to being willing to take that risk. I think off-season weddings are fabulous. We got married in the middle of winter and look, granted, we're in Melbourne, Australia. Winter isn't very harsh there. It was pretty mild to be honest, but we had a much more flexible choice of vendors. The pricing was actually better for us with a lot of our choices because they were, as you said, they were hungry for a gig because they were sort of like, yeah, yeah." and they threw in extra things. And and I'm, I'm a big believer in being able to, you know, if you want that venue that isn't available during peak season, then maybe they are really like, okay, come to me, baby, when they want you later on. I think it's a lot of... It's totally true. And, you know, it's there, people are so unwilling to negotiate. Like for us, it's October, um, again, in spring, those are mm-hmm. our wedding seasons. And they're just, and, and and to no fault of theirs, I'm not asking them to negotiate because I know they're going to book the dates anyway. So it doesn't leave me in a particular place where I'm able to do that either. So I think if you're just, if you're open-minded, it's possibly worth the risk. So I don't say necessarily not to book no. during those times. I just say to go in uh, with your eyes open and protected. I think it's very wise. So let's think about getting wedding insurance. And I know I've sort of done my research. It is available in all the major sort of countries that listen to this show. There is some option to get wedding insurance. And I think a lot of insurance companies are seeing the value. I mean, they're idiots mm-hmm. if they don't, because it's just money right. in the bank most of the time for these companies. Mm-hmm. To I, in explore. 12 years, 13 years, I've only like filed, I filed one claim. Wow. But then it's, yeah. you know, like in any insurance situation, if you don't have it, something goes wrong, you're like, ugh, exactly. why don't I get it? <laughs> exactly. 
It's so cheap. Yeah, it's 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 pretty affordable. Okay, so we're going to trust our guts with our vendors. We're going to look at uh, the different times of year and be considerate about natural disasters and potential things mm-hmm. and also wedding insurance. Now, after the break, Emily, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about vendors behaving badly. Vendors, mm-hmm. and this is not you. This is just I'm sure you've observed over the years. Some oh, poorly behaved. I have. <laughs> yes. All right. So after the break, poorly behaving vendors. And then also let's all chat about some families behaving badly because I think 99% of people listening to this podcast would have someone in their family they're potentially worried about or know mm-hmm. shit's going to hit the fan. There will be more with the lovely, lovely Emily Sullivan after this break. Chillers, here are three very important things that I know I value when it comes to making important purchase decisions. That is convenience, value, and excellent customer service. And that is what our friends at GenerationTux.com pride themselves in bringing to you the customer in finding your ideal suit or suits for your wedding celebrations. Generation Tux are a game changer when it comes to suit rentals. They offer over 20 different styles of suits and tuxes to choose from in a multitude of colors in modern and slim design so they will find the ideal fit for your groom chiller and his crew. No measuring tape or store visits needed. All you need to do is answer a few questions about your body profile and their trusted fit technology will find the right fit for you. Then they will deliver the looks 14 days before your wedding event and offer free replacement so there's plenty of time for them to find the right fit for you and your crew. With free round trip shipping, free swatches, free home try on and a free rental for the groom with five paid parties members you cannot go wrong save time save money and most importantly save your sanity by checking out generationtux.com slash bridechiller and use the promo code bridechiller for 10 percent off the entire groom's party that is generationtux.com slash bridechiller and use the promo code bridechiller for 10 percent off the entire groom's party Chillers, when it comes to different life stages, different seasons, different health goals, our needs for vitamins and minerals change, which is why going to the pharmacy or drugstore and just buying the same vitamins over and over again might not be the most effective path to take or get you the results that you desire. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to get the right vitamins, supplements and protein powders delivered to your door that are tailored specifically for you your needs. All you need to do is head to Careof's website, takecareof.com, and do their very short but very thorough online quiz, which asks you lots of questions about your diet and your lifestyle, what you're hoping to achieve, your health needs, and then they develop a research-backed recommendation with lots of vitamins and supplements that they package and send straight to you in fun little personalized sachets so you know what to take every day. Care of cares for the environment with their new compostable packages that meet the same quality and safety standards and they have a ton of info about how to compost them on their website which is really cute if you check it out. 
for 25% off your very first Care Of order. All you need to do is go to takecareof.com and enter the promo code BRIDECHILLER. That's 25% off your first Care Of order. Go to takecareof.com and enter the promo code BRIDECHILLER. Quick note before we head back into the show with Emily Chillers. I have been working honestly for the last year. This has taken me so long to record the audio version of the Bride Chiller Wedding Planning Survival Guide. And you'd think just reading your own book into a microphone when you record a podcast every freaking week would be an easy task. But actually, I have to be honest with you, just between you, me, and the thousands of people that listen to this show, it was really challenging because I wanted to be proper, but I also wanted to maintain some Alicia in it. So look, I beat myself up a long time by going, is this the right tone? Is this where I want it? This is not how it sounded, by the way. But look, it was challenging, but I'm so glad that I was given the extra push by Bride Chiller Rita, who wrote to me and said, Hey, Alicia, when's that audiobook coming out? Because my friend is really into audiobooks and she just got engaged and I'd like to gift her the audiobook. Where is it? She said it in a much more polite way than that. So Rita gave me a little push up the bum that I needed to get it finished. And now it's available on Audible and I also believe Apple Books. So if you are a book on tape person, <laughs> I'm going to stick with it. I'm, I'm an 80s child. I'm going to stick with it. The Bride Chiller Wedding Planning Survival Guide is my long-form wedding planning book. It is the book that explains how to do it all. And then the field guide, the yellow book you might have seen me talk about, is the planner where you write all the stuff down. But the survival guide is all about how to get stuff done, work on your relationship, work on your finances, work on your attitude, and get shit done. To download and get 30 days free subscription with Audible, all you need to do is visit thebridechiller.com slash audible US. That is thebridechiller.com slash audible US. You can listen to the Bride Chiller Survival Guide and then take advantage of that 30 free days of Audible. You just have a big extravaganza listening. I just actually listened to The Testaments, Margaret Atwood's new book. It was fucking great. Of course. And I'm now on to Stephen King's new book called The Institute, which is also very thrilling. There it is. I like to listen while I run. I like to listen while I sit and stare out the window. Just have that time. Right, back to the show. Emily, you're a very well behaved wedding vendor. I've got it on record. But uh, <laughs> sometimes, most well, of the time, <laughs> on the job, I'm sure she's very well behaved. On the job, yes. On the <laughs> but sometimes, look, in any industry, and I've always said this, in any industry, there are always the bad seeds, the bad apples that let us down. And that sucks for many reasons. But what mm-hmm. are some of the experiences or what are things that we could be prepared for? Hopefully not. Because as you said before the break, if we've found people we trust, if stuff's going right, this shouldn't be a problem. But what are some of the warning signs of things that should make you be worried about vendors? Well, I think communication Mm. obviously is a big thing. And and that doesn't mean that a vendor, you know, I'm a big advocate of, of, vendor boundaries. So it doesn't necessarily mean that your vendors are available to you 24 hours a day. Say it again, Emily, because (sighs) different topic for a different day. (laughs) I have a close friend who's a planner and has been having some problems with uh, boundaries. And we were just having this conversation very off the record, but saying that 
you, the problem is in business, I suppose, if someone texts you at six o'clock in the morning and you one day respond at that time, then they do they have expectations. But also, what the fuck are they doing texting at six o'clock? But then should you write back? But also, right, this exactly. is a person that you've hired to help you. They're not a slave. I just want to say that because I got really angry right. on her behalf and we're having this conversation. But I was also like, ah, it's hard. It's, it's really challenging yeah. right now, honestly. It really is. It You know, we work yeah. events on the weekends and then we're expected to work five mm. days a week during the week. So it's hard because we're just on all the time. So I definitely, you know, I, I think that first of all, your vendors will respect you and want to work yes. with you if you respect them. Um, and so that's the fastest way to like get a vendor to really be on your team and be excited about working with you is just showing them respect as, as a person who, um, is in a position. I mean, I had a client, come on, I love it. Let's go. And I apologize, but I had a client (laughs) recently (laughs) who kind of like got angry at me about something. And then she said, well, you were so much more expensive than everybody else. And so I just expected you to be available. And I was like, don't ever say that again. I literally was like, don't ever say that to me again, because that is unfair. Uh, I am more expensive because I have a lot more experience than those people. (laughs) Yeah. But it's just, you really have to be firm with people. I think. Do you use what? WhatsApp or how do you communicate with your clients? I do use WhatsApp for my international clients. So, and I have two clients in London right now and one in Germany. We just finished, uh, we just finished an Australian bride actually. She lives here back and forth. She's in Australia now, but she goes back and forth. Um, so we use WhatsApp for that. And then we use, I prefer to use email because I like to have things written yep. down. So I think you kind of, every vendor is different. I, and ultimately I, I am your advocate. I'm on your team, but I approach it until the wedding is over. I'm approaching it very much as a business mm-hmm. relationship, not as a friendship. Sure. So I think there has to be some boundaries of like texting and calling without appointments. So I encourage my bride to use, we use acuity scheduling, um, and they're able to go on and book appointments with me whenever, you know, they have something they need to discuss. I'm available, but it's just, I need to be prepared to talk to you. So I'm in the yeah. right mindset at the right I think time. it's good. I was just mentioning WhatsApp because I think the hard thing, and I'm sure we've all had this in a personal situation where you're like, ah, oh, shit, I don't want to talk to that person right now. So I won't open the message. And I know there are lots of sneaky ways to not get the double ticks or whatever, but it's also that thing if you're using those sort of devices, I think with social media and we've mm-hmm. got the phones in our hands all the time, that the boundaries, as you said, can be really tricky because you're like, oh, I see mm-hmm. it come up all the time. I see podcast stuff come up when I'm at my day job and I'm like, oh, I want to reply, but then I, you know, open it and then I feel like I'm not giving anyone my total focus because I'm everywhere. Right. It's just really hard and I feel like the more technology is, you know, great for us it also sucks because then we feel the pressure of feeling like we're not doing enough at any time all the time yeah Mm -hmm. I think you're right and I actually don't even have email on my phone I have to sign into it that way I don't get alerts so I don't know because otherwise I sometimes try to respond quickly out of guilt Mm. and then it's like wait what did I just say like I didn't even think about it you know yeah yeah I think it's very wise and I think we should all maybe take that into consideration of going where do we, where does my focus need to be and this is probably good for couples as well planning their wedding with having a separate email account and maybe not having mm-hmm. that email account on your phone and just saying I'm going to check in once a day and not become completely right. consumed by it. Anyway, back to vendors behaving badly. Sorry, yeah. I took us on a transit, a, a transit, not a real thing, uh, but let's get back onto it. 
I think that, again, going back to listening to your gut, if you feel like something's not quite right with the way they're responding or the length of time it's taking them to respond, and I don't mean like 24 hours. I mean like if you're emailing them and you're not getting a response for an extended length of time Mm -hmm. and you're like not seeing them on social media or, you know, you're like, wait, where did they go? Then, okay, that's a red flag. Start to discuss that and have those conversations and and track them down. But you have to be... um, I think there's such a fine line here because the majority of this is going to be dealt with in the beginning when you're researching your vendors. I have clients. So I had, I had a client last year who I wanted to hire a band that she'd seen at an event and she really loved them. And I said, listen, this is what the reality is about that band. They switch their members in and out. They're not reliable. They are booking other events and then going to the one that's paying them the most Mm. money. And then she said, I still want to go with this band. I saw them and I liked them. And I was like, that's great, but you're going to sign this saying that, I educated you on this. So she still made the decision, even though like it's, it's my job to educate people and to tell them and kind of know the ins and outs of our industry. And so I I take that seriously. So she decided she was still going to move forward with them, not listening to the red flags Mm -hmm. up front. And then what do you know, lo and behold, they didn't do something she wanted them to do at the reception. And she felt like it was ruined. And she came back to complain to me, at which point I'm like, yes, I knew this was going to happen. And I'm, you know, I'm ultimately not responsible for this, but you have to be, you have to listen to those red flags. You can't just brush them off when they're there. I think. Oh, I totally agree. And I think in, especially also if someone's too good to be true with their pricing or if, you know, oh, that to me is a huge red flag where you're like, if, like my dad's was like, if it's too, if it's, well, if you have to ask the price you can't afford, it's one of my dad's favorite things to say, but also if it's too good to be true, then it probably is. Obviously we want to think the best right. of people, but then if they're really cheap, there's maybe there's something off. Yeah. There's a reason they're, they don't have as much experience or they don't value their own time. You know, for me, that that's purely where my price comes from is I know how much time I dedicate to each yeah. event, um, both in preparation and on site. So if someone doesn't value their own time and their own like product, I think that's the biggest red flag of all. And I am. Um, I had someone, we have a rental company too, and we do like uh, custom linens mm-hmm. and things like that. And she was in my office talking to my production manager and I heard her say, well, I really got a great deal on my planner. I only paid her $500 mm-hmm. for the week. And, I, and I'm like, but do you really want to get a deal on the person in charge of everything? Like, I don't understand yeah. that. <laughs> so, so I think you're really, I think you're right on track with that. Like if it's too good to be true, it it is, there's a reason. And they're not they're not as committed to someone that you're paying a larger amount. I mean, I'm not going to miss a wedding if you pay my fee, but if you, if you pay a vendor $500, what's to say that it will be important to them when it's time to Now, I'm up? a big advocate, as everyone would know, about hiring a planner, a coordinator, someone that is professionally uh, that way inclined to help you out. If, if someone cancels, and I suppose this is a two-pronged question, if as a as someone who is running an event company who is responsible for it all, if, if you have a vendor within your crew that just pulls out the day before for whatever reason, and as we know, I'm sure all of your vendors are responsible, but shit happens in people's lives and stuff, you know, people get sick and injured and things go down. Mm-hmm. What should we do? How do we find a new person? And I suppose that's from a planner's perspective, but then also if you're going solo and you're doing this all yourself, then mm-hmm. what do you do? That can be hard and challenging as well. Right. 
I think that one thing you can do up front when hiring your vendors, again, it's just all in the preparation, is have them write a clause in their contract where if an emergency arises, they will provide a substitute. Yep. You know, in the instance of like, let's just say there's a photographer who gets the flu and he legitimately has it. He's very ill. He can't come. It's his job to find a replacement that you can then approve. And so the burden almost goes on the vendor in in most circumstances where they're able to like put it out there to people that they know, because it's a lot easier for vendors to connect with people they know than it's going to be for a bride to go out and do that on her own. She's not going to have the connection. So having them write that coverage in their contract in the beginning is something that's really important. Another thing that I would suggest that brides do specifically if you're not working with a planner is really go through that confirmation process. Um, So for us, we do all of our timelines and we have them completed um, like a week and a half in advance. So we have the conversations with everybody. What time are you showing up? When are you going? If at any point during those confirmations, we start to get like someone not committing, that puts our red flag up. And that actually happened last year with, with a second line band where they just, we're like, oh, well, maybe we're going to call you back. And blah. like, it just, something was off and we couldn't explain it. And lo and behold, they had booked another event and didn't want to tell us. Oh, what jerks. Yeah. And it just, they were like, oh, well, it was more money. And again, it was a situation where a bride against my recommendation was trying to get a deal. And when you're trying to get a deal, right. something bigger comes along, that vendor is going to take that bigger thing because they don't necessarily have, you know, the right work ethic. So, mm-hmm. um, so look for that during the confirmation process, do all of your you're, you're reaching out your timelines and then the week of the wedding. And I say the week of the wedding because wedding vendors are very like, what's this week? What's next week? What's the next week? Like we don't plan as far in advance as brides would probably like to think that we do. So Mm -hmm. we, when we're talking about the Saturday of that week, that Monday and Tuesday, we're saying, we know we've already confirmed with you and done the timelines, but here's the package of everything you need for the weekend. So almost showing them the team, showing them the contacts, making them accountable in that situation. And again, if you don't hear from them after that, that that's another red flag, in which case you need to say to them, you know, and I think so many times, particularly younger clients have trouble with confrontation, you know, not wanting to hurt anybody's mm-hmm. feelings or not wanting to have honest conversations. And, and that's just part of my job. I have to have hard conversations every day, but saying to them, you're making me uncomfortable. You're not, con- you know, you're not responding. You haven't confirmed. What's the deal? If I don't hear from you, like giving them almost an ultimatum, if I don't hear from you within this time frame, this is what I'm prepared to do. Yeah, um, right. And being sure that all of those things are in writing to cover you. You know, if it became a situation where they were like, well, we were going to show up, but we didn't check our email or we were out of town or whatever it was. If you have in writing that you've been reaching out to them over and over again, people will take that into consideration if it becomes like a legal issue. Yeah. Always put it in writing. <laughs> always always I'm sure we've all learned that the hard way I yes and we've also put things in writing we shouldn't have which is another thing for another time right <laughs> and the last thing I want to say about um you know vendors possibly canceling or not showing up if you've mm. decided not to work with a planner I think something that you should do is reach out to your other vendor team because at that point they're invested and they want to see your event go well so they're going to be kind of help you pick up the slack so for instance if you were like okay my videographer canceled or he's not going to show up the best thing to do is go to your vendor team go to your venue go to your florist go to your photographer and say this has happened can you help me 
because then Mm -hmm. they're going to be able to reach out to the contacts and the vendors that they're close to and possibly solve it in advance. Yeah. Or even on that day, I just saw a photographer like maybe a month ago, put out an email and say, listen, I'm on site. No one's seen the videographer. We can't find him. He's not answering his call. Who can come in 30 minutes and cover this wedding? And people were responding. They're like, yeah, we can do it. So it's having those, you know, sort of champions on your vendor team, I think is, is so valuable. And I suppose that comes down to trusting, again, trusting vendors, but having uh, people with good contacts and people that are respected and people that have got good vibes within their industry as well, isn't it? That they would, you know, a second shooter might come and help a photographer or someone might help with if a cake didn't turn up, that there's someone else going, I've got your back, bitch, I got your back, let's go. Make it happen. Right, exactly. Because they don't want to, it's their event too. You know, they don't want it to fail. It looks bad for everybody. I mentioned family. And I mean, everyone loves a family story and, uh, and also just, you know, sort of disaster stories. And I must say, there's another wedding planning podcast called Secret Life of Weddings, which is really funny. And I've been on the show and I really love the gals. They are uh, vendors themselves and they do fantastic stories each week that, you know, are stories of disaster and story, but fun stuff as well. Well, um, I just, it just came to mind while I, we were talking about this and I thought I must plug the girls because they're fabulous. Um, families though, often mm-hmm. they share stories about families doing crazy shit or not getting along or things mm-hmm. not necessarily going to plan. Families, families, some family members can be quite selfish when it comes to the behavior, mm-hmm. regardless of wedding days. I'm sure you've seen it. I have seen it, unfortunately, pretty recently too. Oh, really? <laughs> makes it hard. Um, you know, so in my 13 years and all my events, and I usually tell, you know, clients this when we're, when we're talking about this, mm. more likely than not, they're going to be on their best behavior on their wedding day. Mm-hmm. Like as a general rule, family really, they just kind of get it together for your wedding day. But there are those times and those people and almost always my clients know it in advance. Like we know it's coming Mm -hmm. and that's kind of good and bad. Um, One of the questions we ask, it's one of the last questions we ask our clients at the end of planning is, are there any family circumstances that we need to know about? And that includes like divorces, remarried, people not getting along, alcoholics, like you name it, we've kind of dealt with all of Mm -hmm. it. Um, And that just gives us the heads up. And our clients always have like sort of a bad feeling about one or two particular people like this could happen. It may not, but we recently had a situation where the bride, the groom's mother just stopped talking to the bride and groom. She wasn't going to come to the wedding and she just stopped talking to them like four months in advance. And she was really just making a scene and it was kind of all about her. It was very weird, you know, and the, and the bride's family was like, it's whatever. If she comes, that's awesome. But like, we're going to do it anyway. The groom tried to to have a conversation with her in advance and she didn't RSVP. And then she, they were like, we think she's going to show up, which she did. And she showed up to the welcome party Nothing happened at the welcome party, but she didn't talk to them at all. And then lo and behold, she comes to the wedding and it kind of, the shit hits the fan. It was not good. It was, it was honestly the only time in my entire planning career where I was holding my breath because I really thought she was going to stand up in the ceremony when they asked, like, does anybody have an objection? I'm like, she's going to stand up. I was totally terrified the entire ceremony. And long story short, like we had to actually have her removed by security. It was, it was really a bad situation. 
It was so sad. And I was the one dealing with that. And to be honest, I'm really good at that, you know, just kind of making people feel good and dealing with it. But, but it got so out of hand and looking back on it after that happened, I really wished that we had had that confrontation Mm -hmm. before the wedding. You know, I really wish we wouldn't have just pushed it under the rug and said, maybe she's going to come or maybe she's not, or she came to the welcome party and we didn't talk to her. You know what I mean? I really wish we would have just said, you know, let's yeah. deal with this in advance. So that way it doesn't blow up on the actual wedding day. And the wedding went on and it was awesome and everything was great, but it was a hard place for the groom to be. And it was hard for his whole family because they felt like they were being pulled in two different directions. So I think the best bet when dealing with fam- family drama is don't pretend mm-hmm. like it's not there. Deal with it. Just deal with it and get it over with. And it's going to suck and it's going to be hard. And, you know, you're going to have to have some uncomfortable conversations, but it's best to have those in advance than it is to have your wedding day is not the time to solve 28 years of, you know, pent up shit that you've got with your parents. It's not the time to do that at all. And it's sad for Mama that she couldn't no. contain it or just couldn't. What I don't know. You know, I'm desperately nosy to know what, what the problem was, but also whatever the problem was, to either just say I'm not going to come and just bury it and just we'll deal with it later, or I'm going to come and try and enjoy it and just shut right. my mouth and smile, and then maybe leave after the ceremony or something. I feel sad that that was how it. And as a parent myself, I could never imagine doing that to my child. It was mm. so selfish and unnecessary um and and really over something so minor like it wasn't even a big deal it was just that it it was a it was a unhealthy situation and relationship I think kind of led it but it what the what the argument was about really wasn't that serious um but it just it, it made a huge deal on the wedding day and and I really would advise people that if you're anticipating something possibly happening put that in place early I, I've actually, I had an estranged father, this was probably about 10 years ago, and we had an estranged father who they had a restraining order against, and they thought he was going to come, so we just, we hired additional mm-hmm. security for the day. Like, we're like, he's probably going to try to come, we don't want to wait until it's too late. So they actually, it was a public park, and we had a perimeter of about 100 yards of security wow. around the event. And he did show up, but he didn't cause any trouble, so it didn't end up being a scene or anything, but we were prepared for it. So. My advice is if you think something could possibly happen, you know, put somebody from your family in charge of dealing with that if you don't have a planner. Obviously, if you have a planner, she should she should run interference to a certain extent on that. Um, but maybe just putting somebody from your family in charge and saying, listen, I'm afraid this is going to ha- happen. Can you just help me watch for it? Help me deal with it if it happens so that it doesn't come back to you. I want to say as well, just to remind everyone, whether it's something that maybe people are getting along, but also, um, again, in this, it just came to me then that Kevin, the photographer uh, said, Kevin Elizabeth said, always tell the photographer if there are people that, you know, are divorced or have ill feelings mm-hmm. without, because if a photographer is like, hey, let's get all the family together and stand next to Aunt Susan and they fucking hate each other's exactly. guts, but they've both turned up. It's like, we well, don't antagonize a situation that doesn't need to be antagonized by putting them in a photograph and making them smile next to each other when they've got an awful history. So it doesn't mean you have to shit stir. It just means empowering people with information will help you in the long run. Exactly. Totally agree. Oh, Emily, you're a delight. Can I just say? 
Thank you, Alicia. You are too. I listen to your podcast all the time. So, <laughs> how was it? Was it everything? I'm and a more? podcast junkie. Yes, I mean, I love just getting real. You know, let's don't put a surface on it. Let's well, just talk the dirty talk. It's good, and it, I think if the, the realer we are, the more and prepared you are. And, and as we said at the top, it's not doom and gloom. It's just being sensible. And this is a really big business transaction beyond saying this is a big romantic day. It's also a lot of money that people are spending, and you want to make sure the money's oh, been absolutely. spent correctly. And you know what, where it's, where it's going and how it's all going to go down. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Emily, if uh, people, I know people will want to get in touch with you, especially to help plan their wonderful event if they're getting married in the New Orleans area. Uh, how do they get in touch? Where can we stalk you and see all your lovely things? So you can obviously go to our website, which is emilysullivanevents.com, or you can follow us on Instagram where we tell all kinds of stories about our wedding days, um, and that's um, Emily Sullivan Events on Instagram. Fabulous. Well, I uh, hope you have a fabulous rest of the wedding season. It's just sort of heating up for you, or not heating up. It's cooling I'm down. just getting started, literally. It's, just getting it's started. It's cooling down, so you're heating up. <laughs> Exactly. Well, that's a new slogan. I may have to use yeah, that one. Take it. It's yours. <laughs> um, thank you, Emily. I hope you. Uh, I hope there are no unforeseen circumstances. I hope the weather behaves themselves. I hope people behave themselves, and I know you'll behave yourself, so everything will be fine. <laughs> Thanks so much, Alicia. Thank you for coming on the show, Emily. And uh, everyone, plan ahead, think ahead, have a good time, have a good week, and of course, happy days. The Bride Chilla Podcast, telling chair covers to get fucked since 2014.